Not gonna lie. Yeah. I have seconds of consciousness left. I'm pretty sure. I think what I'm gonna have to do is, you know, Metal Gear Solid Three Snake Eater. I'm a familiar. You know, the end. The character from Metal Gear Solid Three Snake Eater. Yeah. The guy who's over a hundred years old and is uh, seconds away from death and staves it off by going into a coma and coming out of it when he needs to do something. Right. If if I'm not responsive while one of you two are talking, uh, give me a moment so that my eyes can bulge out of my skull and I can grab my sniper rifle. Um, I did not sleep last night. No sleep. For Stephanie Sterling. I I don't know what it was. Well, I was st- streaming. I had to do it from fees because I still ain't got fucking internet at mine. I was streaming till late. And that normally sort of just gives me brain energy that makes it harder to sleep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, then I went home, played uh, Lost Odyssey for a bit, which we, you know, we'll talk about the games of the week in a bit. Um, then played The Last of Us till like two or three in the morning. Went to bed, brain wouldn't shut up. I finally got to bed at... Finally, I think I fell asleep at six, but was up within moments hallucinating that someone was coming up the stairs who was coming to get me, probably. So, yeah, I'm I'm basically seconds away from actual death. Well... Here's the thing. We did we did like a like a very long episode last week. So let's just do a short one and get you out of here as quick as we yeah. can. I think we I think I think we've done enough long ones we can we can yeah. earn a short one. We're paying it forward, you know? Paying yeah. it forward. On the plus side, um Graham Linehan's decided to start stalking me. Oh, oh yeah. God. Remember yeah. that fucker? Yes. Self-appointed king of the fucking lesbians. Fucking... Didn't he write something once in a while and it's been writing off of that, like, for fucking ever? He wrote a couple of my favourite sitcoms, actually. And then decided to throw his career and marriage in the bin to pursue the gender-critical ideology. He was actually a fan of mine many years ago. Yeah. Graham Linham was a fan of mine. And weirdly unfollowed me the more i talked about trans rights um <laughs> and yeah decided i posted a selfie yesterday because i had all my jimquisition clobber on with a lovely makeup job from phoenix um and he quote tweeted the selfie with just jesus christ oh wow they identified you successfully you have come again <laughs> well, I, I replied with james stephanie but close enough fun so the the important context for for this Conrad is that he did this from his supposed he got banned off Twitter he's not supposed to be on Twitter right. he did this from his everyone kind of knows it's his Twitter account but he's it's definitely not him his 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 not very well hidden hidden account yeah and yeah it's him just being like I'm gonna do my secret jabs it's like we know it's you we know it's you Graham we know it's you I didn't. I didn't oh, know yeah. it was him. So I responded and then a bunch of people like told me that it was fucking Glinner and I burst out fucking laughing. And by that point, his attempt to harass me like backfired spectacularly. I believe his tweet has like 200 replies <sighs> um, as everyone just sort of, you know, 
suggested things like maybe uh, we could hash this out if uh, Graham and I sort of met each other on a double date. Like I could bring my partner and he could bring it. Oh. <laughs> um, yeah. So anyway, uh, someone <laughs> joked yesterday, a follower on Twitter joked, uh, like, be careful or he's going to write about you on his little Substack blog. <laughs> uh, to which I said, like, I'd be delighted. He wrote about me on his little Substack blog. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, said that the the Venn diagram of uh, what was it? Men wearing trench coats and fedoras and cross dresses is a circle. And, what? And the, 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 I don't know. I don't know. Like I think he's trying to like equate how I look now to how I looked like years ago. Like okay, bef- but even with the then. old red and black. Well, I never wore a fedora. It was a bowler hat before the top hat he doesn't even know his fucking hats the prick uh which is weird you'd think he'd know all about like like different headwear being he's a gender crit and therefore super into phrenology but anyway (laughs) the best bit about the the blog i was like part of his little weird wrap-up where he sort of stalks people on twitter it was um it was titled along the lines of something like no more porn which He's basically admitted that when he looks at me, he thinks of porn. Wow. All right. Which, considering the uh, the long-running suggestion that he's a fucking chaser, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. Between him and the Domino Dev, who, by the way, had his game removed entirely from Steam now because of his continued meltdown, like, I don't know what it is about me that just drives the boys wild, but I attract some of the best creeps, some of the most entertaining weirdos. Um, So, yeah, yeah, that was basically my week. How are you all? I'm all right. I'm about to fly to another country tomorrow and realised that my baggage allowance isn't what I thought it was, uh, having already done my packing, so that's fun. My day's going to be interesting after we finish the episode. How about you, comrade? How are you doing? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm fine. My jaw, like, my shoulder has reached a point where it's affecting a nerve in my jaw. Oh. So that's, yeah, that's weird. But other than that, I'm doing great. As someone who has, like, spent the last couple months rehabbing a shoulder, like, I won't go as far as to say injury, but, like, I did something to it in a match. Like, it's not fun. Yeah. It's not fun. This has just sort of been a persistent long-term strain issue that someday I will visit a doctor and get addressed or something. I don't know. Or not. Or not. I bought not. Uh, one of those, uh, you know, like, posture correctors. All right. And and that so that's coming sometime this week, and, and maybe that will help, and maybe it won't. I don't know. I can swear by some of that stuff. Like, yeah. like you know, with my various chronic ailments, um, uh, knee braces for training and things like that have been a super help to me. I've got a back brace for when, like, the back injury flares up. Um, those things can really help. Yeah. I mean, it's a lot of it comes from, you know, being just a little hunched or not fully, you know, sitting up straight when I'm sit- seated at a computer for hours and hours a day, you know, and then occasional, like, I'll do something that puts a little strain on it and then that'll, you know, blow it out a bit. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it, it honestly hasn't been the same since we packed up your stuff. Oh, no. Uh, I'm sorry. No, 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 no. No, no, it's better now. It's actually for a period of about two, three, six months. Yeah, about six months. I was getting numbness all in my left arm oh, anytime Jesus. I moved it too far forward. That's gone now, but I'm getting this weird jaw thing instead. So we'll Ooh. just see where it goes. 
Well, shit. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. I'll be fine. Okay. Uh, so anyway, what, video games? Because I know we got to move it. Yeah. Let me just quickly front load. Um, September 24th, Sheffield, Spectrum Wrestling, a promotion I co-founded. We're having our first ever show, Rejoice. Uh, that is, uh, again, in Sheffield at the PPW uh, training facility where I actually train every week. It'll be uh, live streaming at Twitch TV slash Jim Sterling, uh, and tickets are on sale now. You can get them at buytickets.at slash Spectrum Wrestling. If you can get to Sheffield on the 24th, like, do come along. I'd love to see you there. Love to meet you. Um, it's going to be a fantastic show. Like, we have an incredible fucking card. We've got a tea party death match. We've got killer clowns. We've got big names like Man Like Darice, uh, Gia Adams, uh, um, Mercedes Blaze, Tonga, uh, G- Gene Money. Like, it's going to be fucking good. And I'll be wrestling Priscilla, Queen of the Ring. Uh, so, yeah, buy tickets dot at slash spectrum wrestling uh thank you oh one one other thing actually before we launch into video games please if you want a gays can do whatever they want t-shirt or a capitalism bad t-shirt in time for the holidays now now go to the gymporium now the gymporium.com yes because we're going to put in probably the last order we get in for the year mm-hmm. um and so if you want those things um go use the pre-order at the gymporium.com and get them in because we will order pretty soon and we want to make sure that we get enough for everybody that wants one. So anyway, that's that's the other bit. And and I believe like they're still like selling out. They are, yeah. The gay shirts, yeah. So get in quick. Yeah, I mean in most sizes. So yeah, get in. Yeah, awesome. Video games, perchance? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Why not, Steph? I th- I think you've played the most of them this week. What are you? What you been playing? Uh, I have played. Um, let's go with, I finished A Plague Tale. Ooh, yes. You know, I played it when it first came out, 2019. I talked about it last week as well. Um, but I finished it, uh, for the second time. Uh, and God, I think it's in my top five of like games of all time. Like, it's, it's sublime. It is just one of the best games. And, and I talked about this a little on stream last night. And Laura, I know you were in chat and we were talking about sort of, post hrt reactions to things uh i played it when it first came out um several years ago before i came out and that's back when i was dead inside and i could still emotionally react to things but i couldn't i couldn't feel strong emotions in terms of sadness or happiness and now like like post hrt playing a plague tale like i didn't out and out cry but like i got teary-eyed at a number of things uh like uh the final scene with roderick uh the um relationship between uh, amicia and hugo uh, the protagonists i got a bit weepy yeah and then the day i finished it and got set up to be weepy i then played lost odyssey <laughs> uh, which is a game about death yeah and watching people die and forming connections that don't last forever. And then I burst into tears, even though like Lost Odyssey, it's not like got the best writing in the world, but basically like, I, I guess I'll, I'll combine these two, like Plague Tale, fucking great. Uh, Lost Odyssey is a, an old RPG, JRPG from 2008, uh, a very early Xbox 360 game published by Microsoft, developed by Mistwalker. 
really good game. That's one of the last RPGs that I like really, really tried to play. Yeah. And then I got lost in some section and couldn't figure out where I was supposed to go next, and that was it. Well, you play a game called Lost Odyssey, Conrad. I did. I did. Right? You got what what it said on the tin, no, sir. Yeah, no, I can't get it for <laughs> false advertising. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, it's uh, a really good game. It was criticized by games like journal- uh, reviewers at the time for being too much like a Japanese RPG, which was bad for a while in sort of the <laughs> late 2000s. JRPGs being like JRPGs were like pilloried for a little bit and Lost Odyssey got some of the worst of it. And it kind of was annoying back in the day because I'm like, it's a great example of the genre. Um, but, you know, people's tastes are people's tastes, I guess. It was just a weird little zeitgeist at the time. But it is really good. Uh, it's about an immortal character called Kaim who um, has lived for a thousand years. His memory's dodgy. Uh, but he's lived for a thousand years and has had, like, lots of wives and children over the course of that time. Like, he's just lived, like, hundreds of lifetimes. And as you go through the game, you unlock memories for Kaim that take the form of these short stories, basically, like an anthology of short stories that play out. And they're really nicely presented with sort of dynamic text that that comes on screen to tell you. And some of those are fucking sad. Like they're not the best written in the world uh, in terms of prose, but in terms of just like being really tragic. Some of them are really affecting. The game itself is is very much sort of mechanically by the numbers, uh, turn-based Japanese RPG, protagonists with amnesia, etc. It does take place in a very um, interesting world where magic is a relatively new thing and has had this dramatic impact on industry and stuff like that. Um, there's a lot of political intrigue, the sort of the, the antagonist, being a pro-monarchy character in a republic that recently deposed the monarchy, but the prince, the former prince, doesn't want the monarchy back. He's fine as it is. And Gongora is like, like trying to protect him from assassins that want to kill him to make sure the monarchy never comes back. But it's Gongora. He's paying people to poison the soup. Conrad and Laura, the soup. The soup. The soup. Not the soup. The soup. Um... But yeah, yeah, it's it's got a fun little story that does have some really sort of affecting, sad little beats. The gameplay is, like, the, the combat system is fine. They've got this little thing that's similar to Shadow Hearts, a little ring system where there's a ring on screen when you attack. Uh, the character runs towards the enemy with a, a shaky cam effect that won't be for everyone. You can turn it off, I believe. But I like it. Um, I liked it in Gears as well, the sort of like running handheld camera look. But they run towards the enemy and this big ring closes over a smaller ring uh, while you hold down a trigger button. And if you let go at the right point, you can do extra damage. It just adds a little, like keeps you a little bit engaged. And it's all very straightforward and rather fun. Um, There's an interesting mechanic where if you've got immortal characters like I'm in the party, when they get knocked out, after a couple of turns, they get back up, which is like has some interesting strategic um, elements to it. Like the first boss in this game is sort of legendarily hard as being this sudden difficulty spike and a total gut punch. And I think it was intended to teach you to... um, play the game a certain way uh, more aggressively but it just doesn't explain that to the player despite dozens of tutorials in the game 
the idea with this boss is to just attack it and if characters die like don't fucking worry about it but yeah yeah it's it's fun uh, but the real highlight is jansen the sort of thief mage uh sort of shady rogue character who turns up uh early in the game the voice acting for him is still stellar stellar he was very praised at the time for being sort of this really memorable funny character there are more professional voice actors like very well established ones like troy baker aka the only voice in video games apparently but what's so great about jansen as a character is he talks over people Mm. that's all it is he talks over people he starts talking before they finished he mutters constantly while they're talking and in a genre in a medium rather where voice actors take turns to speak Mm -hmm. because they're just reading their lines and then waiting for the other person it's so refreshing and stands out even today like you get some really big budget story-led titles that have really believable uh very well acted voice performances but even they like even today lost odyssey still stands out like jansen's performance is still like miles ahead of so much that is out today yeah, I, I'm in awe of, of just the direction uh, of that character and the voice acting there. Uh, in a game that features a lot of sort of very bog standard voice acting, he's just there like blowing everyone out of the water. Um, there is still some other good acting in there, some good characterization, some really good character animation. Um, there's one character sort of jokingly flirting with the main character, Seth, one of the other protagonists. And like the way she just constantly winks while talking or like pretending to hit on him and is like fluttering her eyes. Like for the time, like really nice little visual details. Plus, there's the soundtrack. Uh, this game has the best JRPG battle theme that ever there was. Like, I'm not a big fan, and someone on um, Twitch yesterday when I was talking about it, like, I'm not a big fan of a lot of orchestral music in games. I think when budgets for um, music became a thing in games, um, melodies were lost a fair bit, uh, because when you had limitations in with video game music, and you were usually using, like, you know, chiptune level music, you had to have a really good tune a really good melody to stand out. And then a lot of modern games just went with choirs and orchestras and it all sounds the same. But the battle theme for Lost Odyssey is orchestral and it is so tuneful and memorable to the point where I last played this game properly in 2008. And over the years to this day, I still, every now and then, I'm like, okay, I'm just going to put play a, a youtube video of that music and crank it the fuck up it's so good um so yeah sorry i ran my mouth a lot there but yeah excellent fucking game plague tale and lost odyssey really good times nice nice yeah who else has played a game i've played a couple of things uh i'll i'll skim through a couple of them i've been playing more vampire survivors update since last week i've finally started like having some builds that I can just sort of get them to a point where they can farm me money for as long as I'll leave them running, mm-hmm. and that death can't kill me, but I can keep making money, which has meant I can properly start getting into the egg investing economy, which has been nice. Uh, what was it? What was that I was running? So I was using Queen Sigma 
mainly because like for like gaining the money to then invest into other characters um mm-hmm. it's the first time i've really played around with deliberately limiting the number of um weapons i can have equipped mm. so that i more quickly hit the cap and start getting all of the like the things you've already got just get better every level right rather than spending most of the run trying to hit everything being upgraded so I did a few runs that were things like Queen Sigma's default weapon plus the accessory to upgrade it, the Laurel and the cats that you can upgrade with their uh, accessory to turn into like money generation. Mm-hmm. Queen Sigma can have a bunch of tarot cards, obviously, and having a few the, like having the one that means that like you're constantly gaining max HP as stuff gets gets near you. Pairing that with like the the rush of gold, so you keep getting the the big big gold rushes going. I've I've started to get some builds where it's like, oh yeah yeah, I can get that to a point where just for a few hours I I'm not gonna die, and then I can pump say five hundred eggs into a character in one go. That's a whole genre of porn. <laughs> like you get those those rubber oviposters. Those oviposters. The, the ovipositors, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah that, that squeeze them in. You can pump eggs. <laughs> All day long. Look, sometimes you've just got to get got to get a queen to really, you know, beat down a bunch of people until you're ready to overpositive five hundred eggs into a character. Absolutely, Vampire Survivors, good video game. That I've not played around. I know there's a new there's a new update that's just dropped. I've not played around with it much yet, but I'm I'm finally get I'm finally starting to get some of the the big builds going so that I can get characters who've thus far seemed interesting but not been particularly useful into a more usable state um like cosmo who starts with both the birds not taking up a slot mm. but like has so little hp for example um right once you've chucked like 500 eggs into cosmo oh yeah that's a, that's a fairly usable character that <laughs> so yeah i continue to be pretty heavily back into vampire survivors Conrad, what are you? What is the one game you've been playing? I have just been playing Arcade Paradise. Uh, really got its hooks into me. The number go up is is very strong with this. One of the things that I, I hadn't really thought about the developer of this, Nosebleed Interactive. I had, uh, I think I mentioned this last week that I'd played their, I'd played a previous game of theirs, Vostok Inc. This was like the first game I bought on my Switch and. It is a shooter that uses clicker game mechanics where you start generating passive income and increased uh, everything, you know, funnels into upgrades that funnel into just more money, more money, more money. It's a number go up game. And this is actually once I realized that and really thought about it, this is mechanically so similar it's just in a completely different framework, and I kind of love that. Um, I like fiddling around with the individual machines to maximize the value. But the games, all of, all of the games have something except for uh, Line Terror. Line Terror and Wood Gal and Wood Guy Jr., neither of those are particularly interesting. Wood Guy and Wood Gal, I think, are pretty much the same game. Um, and just like, you know, Pac-Man, Miss Pac-Man. But it's one of those, like tap one side of the screen to advance forward and don't be on the wrong side when the thing hits you games. Eh, I can live without it. Yeah. But um, there's a decent beat-em-up in here. Ooh. There's a 
Well, there's a Flappy Bird game hidden in here. The beat-em-up has its own mini-games mini inside the mini-game beat-em-up that you're playing. You can find an arcade in the beat-em-up in the arcade that you're playing. That's brilliant. Just gameplay inception. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot, a lot, a lot of content in here. And if you have any history with old video games, there's something for you in here somewhere. Mm-hmm. As I mentioned, there was a uh, there's the video air hockey. There's a real air hockey table in here. I'm not sure what the fucking <laughs> difference is. Uh, there's a pool table. The billiards game sucks. I actually really hate it. I find it incredibly hard to control precision uh, with how much power you put behind it. Just drives me nuts. But there's a there's an arcade game called Graffiti Balls that is essentially a billiards game where you have a spray can at the bottom of the screen, and it's kind of like Puzzle Bobble, hmm. where you're firing balls into a field. But you fire black balls, and when two black balls collide, they become a red ball. And then when two red balls collide, they become another color, and on and on and on. And every time you make one of these connections that can, you know combines two colors into a new one, you get a little bit of spray back in your can. And so you're just trying to use the use physics to make balls of matching colors collide as long as you possibly can. I really love this game. I love Blockchain, which is the uh, line removal game where the blocks have numbers on them and disappear when they are in a vertical or horizontal grouping of the same number. Very, very addictive and fun. I like that Communists from Mars exists. (laughs) I think it's an awesome cabinet with a great aesthetic. I wish it were something more than a weak-ass Missile Command clone. But, you know, you take what you can get. I like the darts. There's a good little dart sim in here. There's a weird take on Bomberman. Like, really, there's so much crammed into this. Mm -hmm. Uh, And there's still a few that I haven't even gotten around to playing, despite having bought them all. I still need to get around to playing it. Like, you, you had me, like, sold last week. About halfway through, you get Pong, and I really questioned the delivery of that <laughs> at that point in the game. Uh, but all in all, really fun, good story. Like, f- a game like this doesn't often have a lot of narrative or plot, um, and this has a fair bit. It's well sprinkled throughout. It doesn't overwhelm anything except that... There's, there is a point at which a narrative event happens that really changes things. But otherwise, it's a gradual development that I really enjoy. And a good resolution. I'm, I'm genuinely, on the whole, very happy with this. I, I, I think people, if, if you're at all on the fence, you should really check it out. It, there's, there's a lot of great stuff in Arcade Paradise. Uh, definitely worth the time that I put into it. I'm very early on in it still, but I'm enjoying it thus far, and your sort of recommendations on how to approach it definitely helped me go in with the right mindset, so I'm mm-hmm. excited to find more time to put into it. It's it's good. It's good. Yeah. What else? Who else has played? Steph, what, are you, what else have you been playing? What else have I played? Fuck it, I'm so tired. Um, right, I have played... 
Uh, what should I go with? The Last of Us Part 1. Yeah. The remastered slash rebuilt, I guess. The, the exact same game that looks a little shinier. Yes. And if you don't need the accessibility settings, there's really not much need to have this if you already have it. Yes. <laughs> I have been playing through it. You know, I did take the excuse to replay it. Plus, you know, I can justify it as a work thing. It is The Last of Us again. Despite all of the controversies with Naughty Dog and all of the sort of arguing over whether or not these games were actually good, The Last of Us is still a very good game. It's still got a nice story with nice character arcs. Uh, it's still got very good gameplay, like like very simple, straightforward, but fun stealth mechanics and decent combat and everything. It looked very pretty back in the day, and I will give credit where it's due. It does look gorgeous. Uh, I know there are people on the internet right now arguing that it doesn't, but it does. Yeah. Uh, it's impressive. One thing that really strikes me with the game is if um, there are some like cutscene shots of it, but you can do it yourself as well if you point the camera up during daytime sections where the, there's sort of the blue sky and the sun's out. If you are near like big buildings and you move the camera up to sort of look at them, they look really realistic, like mm. really believable, or like as close to live action as I've seen a game get, really, mm. um, sort of resembling. And it only works with the buildings against the blue sky, but it's still impressive. Um, just the, the level of detail and the way they've used light to um, make everything as believable as possible. Is it worth $70? No. I mean, it's absurd to me that any game went up to 17 bucks uh i think it was really shitty of the industry to use this generation as an excuse to do that i think it's doubly shitty to sort of raise the price of things and make them less accessible uh financially while money is an issue for people uh i think it was re a really shitty time to do it and you know doesn't matter how many accessibility options are in The Last of Us. They are impressive, yes, but price points accessibility as well, mate. And you charge $70 for a game, you've made it inaccessible to people, just inherently. So, yeah, it's not worth that. Like, I think a lot of people are used to seeing re-releases come out at a cheaper price. And, yeah, I get it. They worked really hard sort of visually rebuilding the game, but it's still the same game. And I don't see, outside of Laura's recommendation of you needed the accessibility settings, um, but even then, like, price, price gating, that is shitty behavior. It ain't worth 70 bucks. It just isn't. It looks very pretty. It looks stunning in places. It's an impressive visual overhaul. But the original game still looks pretty fucking good. Already had a remaster last gen. And you get the same game. Because it is the same game. For a lot cheaper. Yeah, it, it, it is one of the games that had the least need for a visual overhaul. Yeah. Like, it really didn't need it. No, not really. I think I would have much rather have had any new game from Naughty Dog. 
whether it was The Last of Us content or Uncharted or something. Yeah. Or or something new. How about that? I mean, we, we know they're working on a new IP, but mm-hmm. yeah. But I would much rather have had something new than this. It, I don't think it was necessary. It is gorgeous, yes, but it is frivolous. That's the word for it. Uh, the Last of Us Part 1 is a frivolity. Yeah. A very pretty, graphically impressive frivolity. Yeah. Well, let's keep cracking through because we've got a bit of a time limit today. I've started playing Immortality, which is the new game by Sam Barlow. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of dubious about this. So, yeah, Sam Barlow, person behind her story and other games generally, here is a mystery, solve it by selecting a word and that brings you to another clip and you solve the mystery out of order. Worked really well for her story because, like, there was a smart framing device around why you were doing that, and searching by keywords that were spoken in clips is a really clear way to very methodically navigate that feels very satisfying and very easy to zero in on. Mm -hmm. Immortality is kind of the same sort of game, but with a premise that feels considerably less well contextualised as to why you're navigating it that way, and considerably less clear and accurate in providing your way to navigate through clips. You are trying to piece together the films of a fictional actress who had three films that never released for varying reasons um, in the, like, in the, I think, 70s and 80s, and piece together what went on. First of all, it's not a particularly good premise in terms of, like, with something like her story, it's very clear up front what you are trying to achieve by unraveling a mystery here. This is much more, here are a bunch of of isolated clips from three films, there's probably a mystery in there somewhere. (laughs) Like, there's no reason that you as the player should go into this believing there would be a mystery, and going in with the expectation that there's a mystery to be solved doesn't really work here for me. Yeah. Secondly, where her story, for example, was about, like, cutting around a police database where you are searching for keywords, that totally makes sense. Here, you are clicking on random objects you see in clips to be taken to another random clip that has a similar-looking object in it. Right. And it's not one-to-one, So, you know, in her story, like, let's say you clicked on, like, let's say there was a name of a person and you typed that in and you'd get every clip or a bunch of clips that had that name in it. Very straightforward, clear mechanics. Yeah. Here, let's say I click on the face of an actress. It will take me to a random other clip that has her face in it. Not all of the clips that have her face in it. And it's random. But a random clip. It, it, I'm sure there is, like, the, it is predetermined which one it's going to, right. but there's no rhyme or reason. Okay. So, like, one one clicking of her face will take me to one clip that maybe it'll look kind of similar, but usually not. Usually it's a completely, like, it'll have to be a completely different film, a completely different emotion on her face, completely different lighting. It has in common, it's another clip that she's in. Sometimes you'll click on, like, oh, there's a vase with some flowers on it. Okay, well, that took me to a clip of a cup of water. I guess they're both receptacles that have water in them. But, like, it's so much less clear of a navigation system compared to her stories. Mm -hmm. And I finally got into the bit where, like, 
I seem to be going, oh, there's more than meets the eye to this. But it's so out of left field. And also, like, the the way this is set up, like, in her story, you could sit, like, watching a clip, writing down on a notepad or something words you wanted to Google later to, rem- like, to search in the search bar. Here, you have to click the thing in the clip right now, when you see it, and it'll jump to that other clip. And then you're like, okay, well, do I start watching this new clip I've jumped to? Do I jump back to that other clip and finish watching it and find more things to click on? I found I was, like, trying to finish one clip at a time, like, clicking things that seemed clickable, adding new clips, not even watching them, going back, and I just had this ballooning collection of clips I hadn't got around to watching. I'm really not a fan of its setup here. Right. And I'll I'll stick with it, because maybe the plot's gonna end up being really good, but, like, conceptually, I don't think this works nearly as clearly or nearly as elegantly as Sam Barlow's previous work. It sounds frustrating. Yeah. Like, not frustrating in terms of moment-to-moment gameplay even, but conceptually frustrating. Yeah. Like, why are you doing what you're doing, game? It's 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 one of those, like... It, it, it feels like it has this structure because it's a Sam Barlow game and people expect that. Right. Not because it is really built for that structure. Or taking advantage of it, which is a shame. Yeah. Um, I'm going to give it the benefit of that out and stick with it a bit longer, but first impressions have not been good. I have to duck out early. I figure it's best to, if I just duck out, then you, you all can take your time with news and things. I don't imagine it's going to be a terribly long one. Yeah. Before I go, though, yeah, I do want to just press a couple of little tickets in your hand. Tickets? Uh, so that you can pop yourselves on a ferry Ooh. and take a little trip to Stephanie's Wee Wee Corner. <gasps> I didn't know there was a ferry ride involved. Right? I'll be really quick. I, I can easily do that. Red Steel is fucking shit. Original or two? Original. I got two, <laughs> but I got my hands on the original because it was like 50p. And and I was like, I've got to see if it's as shit as I remember it. It's worse. It was ambitious. It is shit. It was ambitious shit. It's so ugly and it's such a mess. Uh, it's trying to be a first person shooter with pointer controls. You move the camera around by moving the cursor to the far edges of the screen, but it will just sort of hang there and stick there at times, and you'll just trail off. There's a lock-on system, which sort of defeats the purpose, but it's not an accurate lock-on system anyway. It just, like, fixes you on a box, and then you've got a fine point, but it's a fucking mess, and the controls are garbled, and the hand, like, moves in real time, and wibble-wobbles around with every slight movement, even on, like, medium uh, sensitivity, and it's just so off-putting. Uh, it's hideous. It sounds like shit. It's a bad fucking game, and Ubisoft spent years protecting abusers. Red Steel 2, I remember being very good, but the first Red Steel, it is borderline unfucking playable. It's so bad. Uh, I did play some other ones, but I'll save it for the next time we go to Stephanie's Wee Wee Corner. Yay! Uh, well, well, we'll we'll see you next 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 week, Steph. Yes, yes, love you and leave you. No worries, uh, Conrad. Have you played? Anything else this week? No, I, literally all I played this week was uh, 
was Arcade Paradise and time well spent. I mean, I, I played a, a couple of other bits, but honestly, like, I don't have much to say about them yet. Like, I've started playing a few things. that You know how that is? Sometimes you dip yeah. your toes in a few things and just like, yeah, they're just not not clicking. Yeah. Uh, so, so should we should we do a couple of quick news stories and then and then wrap it up? Yeah, let's do a few news. Yeah. So there's been some interesting updates about Bloober Team and the fact that we there have been rumors for fucking forever that they're making a Silent Hill game. Right. And we've had a little bit of an update on this. So some screenshots have allegedly leaked online of a Silent Hill 2 remake being worked on by Bloober Team. Hmm. Now, that in and of itself is like, okay, you know, that, hmm. that's somewhat interesting. Mm -hmm. But what's kind of more interesting is how we maybe have gotten here, because we've talked about Bloober Team on here before, and we've talked about these rumours they're working on Silent Hill. I think the sentiment we had as a podcast was, we don't trust Bloober Team to do anything new and original that is not terribly handled in terms of like oh if it tackles any kind of mental health themes it's probably going to be kind of shit i think that was all where we sort of landed yeah as far as i recall yeah so um reading from vg247 um there is a little thing that i think makes some sense of the silent hill 2 remake stuff that's now going around bloober team cmo thomas uh Glowski, took part in an interview with ign to clear up these rumors uh, but his quote, uh, as VG2747 puts it, ultimately left people with more questions uh, than answers. The CMO told IGN that Bloober Team had applied for two projects with Konami, respectively named Dumb Spyro and Black. Uh, it was concluded at the time Bloober was not able to deliver Dumb Spyro in a form that was appropriately sensitive to the topic and commercially viable <laughs> at the same time. So that left active development, and we don't know for certain that's Silent Hill, but like all the rumours have been, it's fucking Silent Hill. We know it's something that um, they've been trying to do with Konami. Um, and the other one, Black, also got got canned. Yeah, that, that quote of like, whatever it was they were trying to make couldn't be done in a form that was appropriately sensitive to the topic and commercially viable at the same time, to me sounds like you gave Bloober Team the chance to make a new Silent Hill, they went, oh, oh, they made a thing that was offensive, and now that they're being told to remake one of the already good ones, because how much can you fuck it up if you're making a thing that's already been made? Don't test them. Yeah. Yeah. I wish Bloober Team had been working on a Spyro. How <laughs> fucking weird would that have been? I mean, I mean, I love the thought of them trying to make a game that literally would have been called Dumb Spyro. <laughs> <laughs> about, about it's a Spyro spin-off, but, but but I also like that you know it wasn't deemed sensitive enough, and that just opens up a whole can of worms. What was going yeah. on with Tub Spyro? I mean, look, I can see a lot of ways you could be emotionally insensitive with a game called oh, yeah. Dumb Spyro as oh, a Spyro yeah. spin-off that could uh -huh. go real bad real quick. Oh, yes. So yeah, Bloober Team isn't allowed to make uh, e either a Silent Hill game or Dumb Spyro <laughs> that I guess I guess Konami has the rights to, because uh, they can't make new shit that is emotionally sensitive or able to sell. So give them Silent Hill 2. They can't fuck that up too bad, and it'll sell because it's Silent Hill 2. We got a couple of updates this week about um, Microsoft's commitments to Call of Duty on PlayStation. They're very committed. Very committed. And I mean, look. So much commitment. <laughs> 
I think there's a reason we're getting these stories this week in particular, and we'll oh, get do to you that think? in a second. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Amazing detective work I've got here. <laughs> so, first story, Microsoft says that Call of Duty will be on PlayStation for at least several more years beyond their existing deal. Uh, a quote... It's an offer that goes well beyond typical gaming industry agreements, is... Uh... Well, that's because Microsoft is a, a team player. They are not <laughs> trying to, you know... Create a monopoly? Every... No, 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 not at all. No, let's, don't say the M-word. They're explicitly... No, they, they don't want the M-word to come up. No. No. Look, you, look. Several, several more years. I mean, look, we didn't sign a contract saying several more years, but... But we're, we're, we'd love to. We'd love to come up with some some kind of, you know, generous plan that we're totally yeah. in talks with. Uh, yeah. yeah. Above and beyond what the industry is, is expected of the industry in these cases. Way, way much more. Yes. Oh, yeah. totally. Because... Because, you know, it's something that just is so anti-competitive. Yeah, I mean, some, yeah. I mean, pro-competitive. Did I say anti? I meant pro-competitive. Uh, yeah, so as we alluded, no formal agreement's been signed and several more years means fucking nothing. But Phil Spencer at Xbox did send a letter to Jim Ryan this year to say, hey, uh, we'll give you a few. Uh, he signed the letter. He, he signed the letter. I don't know if that's a contractual agreement. <laughs> he signed a letter that says, hey, I'll definitely give you several more years of feature and content parody. Something tells me that that would not be effective in court, no? Well, that's the thing is, several more years is... <laughs> how do you enforce several more years? <laughs> oh. <sighs> yeah, so that's, that's, that's where that starts. Um, we also got the news... Call of Duty will be on Xbox Game Pass day one, but it's still going to come to PlayStation on the same day with content parity and nothing missing. It's PlayStation owners will get everything exactly the same in the immediate future. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, it's they're not not trying to completely control a sector of the market. Uh at all, no. And 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 there's going to be crossplay for the immediate future without interruption. Yeah, yeah. Oh, sure, absolutely. Yeah. Well, they are so pro crossplay. They've always been at the forefront of crossplay. Well, I mean, as has been said in this uh, this this blog post uh, that that uh, Xbox put out. There's lots of mentions of choice. You know, uh, players should have the choice to play Call of Duty on Game Pass or on PlayStation. Uh, we're definitely, definitely not trying to hamper competition here. No, they are just trying to provide consumers with more options. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, now, now we want people to be able to buy it on Xbox or buy, uh, uh, or play it on Game Pass. Yeah. We want to provide multiple. <laughs> oh, and sure. Yeah. Buy it on Sony also. Right. But, yeah. uh, you know, Xbox and Game Pass. And I mean, I've got one more news story here, and I bet it's probably completely unconnected. It's probably... I can't be. That's... This is a coincidence for sure. It's got to be coincidence of the century. But the UK's Competition and Markets Authority, the CMA, has concluded its initial investigation into Microsoft's acquisition of Activision Blizzard King and has made the decision that the deal requires a more in-depth phase two investigation into whether it is... Uh, 
could it be anti-competitive and monopolistic and a detriment to the industry? Huh. Oh, yeah. Oh, that, that's really, yeah. that's, well, that's strange because that doesn't sound like the Microsoft that I know. Yeah. The Microsoft from the last two news stories. The, the Microsoft that, you know, learned its lesson mm. 20 years ago and, you know, you know, saw what happens when, when you attempt a monopoly and would never, ever, ever oh, do it of again. Course, of course. Never. No, they, they are, they're a different company now. I mean, yeah. their leadership has completely changed. I, can't you see how, how diverse their input is? Yeah. So, yeah. Uh. <laughs> yeah, to read a couple of quotes from the CMA's findings, which, like, I think they're pretty on point. Microsoft's acquisition of Activision Blizzard King uh, will be giving rise to a realistic prospect of a substantial lessening of competition in gaming consoles, multi-game subscription services, and cloud gaming services. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, you are correct. It will probably lessen competition somewhat. They also said that it... Uh, they made the big point that it would probably have a large impact on the success of rival platforms, which, I mean, the fucking, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, let me read the quote. Evidence consistently pointed toward ABK's content, especially Call of Duty, as being important and capable of making a material difference to the success of rivals' gaming platforms. I love how delightfully understated government reports are. Right? <laughs> like, yes, yes, government agency. PlayStation, at some point in the future, not having Call of Duty probably will lessen <laughs> PlayStation sales and increase Xbox sales because Xbox will have Call of Duty... And PlayStation won't. You, you are correct. Um, I'm just glad they see it. Look, because uh, there's a real risk that people wouldn't actually pay attention or care. Yeah. They they do kind of write off this as having any real material impact on Nintendo, which is fair. In the short to medium term, the main rival that would be affected by this conduct would be Sony. Evidence suggests Microsoft and Sony compete closely with each other in terms of content, target audience, and console technology. I would say so, yes. Yeah, they largely, uh, they stated that they're like, Nintendo's going to be less affected uh, given the different target audience and console technology. And like, you know, obviously, like, I don't think the Call of Duty games are even coming to Switch. Even if they were, like, Microsoft has been bringing stuff that they own as exclusives to Switch anyway, because it's a handheld and they don't seem to see it as... as, as such direct competition. Like, we've seen, like, Ori in the Blind Forest and the Will of the Wisps, um, Cuphead. Well, I think, I think Microsoft, and I say this with all due respect to Nintendo, and don't at me, yeah. but I think that Microsoft rightly views Nintendo's Switch and video game, you know, lineup as, as a toy market. Yeah, that's uh, which is how I think Nintendo has always viewed their product line yeah. is that that yeah. they make toys, and that is not to diminish or detract or to say that you know there's you know somehow this there's no artistic merit or anything of the sort. It's just I think a, a point of view that the company has mm. about what they're doing with their product line, and I think it's probably one that Microsoft shares. Yeah. Whereas Microsoft's view of what Xbox is as a platform has always, I mean, going back, they wanted to be the media center of your home. I think that that is still largely true. They've had to accept that you can't just do that. 
but they're, they could get close to it with this, actually. Um, and they've expanded they, – they recognized the value of games and expanded that and made that a larger part of the business than I think they had originally intended to, even though that was what their claim was. But now that I still think that they view it as a holistic thing, not just the toy. Yeah. The other thing that they've stated, which I think is like a, an apt observation, is uh, let me let me pull this up here. First of all, the CMA does recognise that um, Microsoft does usually, in these cases, make stuff from acquired studios exclusive, and it does sound like they recognise, hey. Yeah, you're saying you'll stick it around for a while, but you're probably just trying to dodge the um, arguments about Monopoly. Like, in the long term, you're probably going to make this stuff exclusive. Uh, let me read one of the quotes. Uh, the CMA notes that Microsoft has followed this approach in several past acquisitions of gaming studios, where it made future game releases from those studios exclusive uh, on in consoles um, to Xbox, such as Starfield, Elder Scrolls Six from Bethesda, etc. And I'm like, yep. Good for recognising that. Don't be clouded by their, yeah, we'll let you have a few more years of, of Call of Duty. Like, the end goal is probably going to be exclusive Call of Duty. And the last last one is uh, that they, they... The CMA is very convinced that, like, the biggest potential problem here might be stifling growth in game subscriptions and uh, as a very new market mm. that is still growing. Yeah. I mean, it will be very hard for a competitor like a Netflix or Amazon to come in and try to enter that space. And I mean, and, and God, you know, listen to me. I'm talking about companies like Netflix and Amazon yeah. as having yeah. difficulty entering that market if this happens. And let alone, I mean, that's God, what the fuck? Capitalism is so fucked. It is, right? Because, like, that's the thing. Game Pass already, like, is the one people think of in that space. Yeah. Adding Call of Duty into it is a big, big deal. Um, And as the CMA says, After the merger, Microsoft would gain control of this important input and could use it to harm the competitiveness of its rivals. As the multi-game subscription market is still in its infancy, the effect of the merger could be to tip or significantly increase concentration in the market in Microsoft's favour before future rivals have a chance to develop. And Yep. Yep. 100%. If, if, if every year's Call of Duty is in your Game Pass, that is a big fucking deal for Game Pass. Yeah, so I think I think that's it for the the, the, the bulk of the, the the news today. We could probably probably call it an episode here, have a nice little short one. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Well then in that case People will probably be hungry for more content, and oh. you, Laura, produce so much content that people would want to consume. Where would they find that? I mean, you can find that at Laura K. Buzz on all of the various platforms where you find content. You can find me on YouTube, publishing weekly accessibility videos at Laura K. Buzz. You can find me on Twitter, you can find me on Patreon. That's the one that pays the bills. If you can chuck me a dollar a month, that really fucking makes a difference. Other than that, if you're listening to this the day it goes up on Thursday, uh, you will, uh, and you happen to be in Norway, specifically Trondheim in Norway, you've probably missed the first talk I'm I'm giving as part of Trondheim Pride. But Friday at five p.m., you can go to my Twitter to find like the location of it. Um, I'm doing a talk about queer, uh, queer and trans joy. Um, that's happening in Trondheim. So come along if you happen to be in that part of Norway. 
What about you, Conrad? Where are you on the internet? Oh, you can find me at Conrad Zimmerman on Twitter and Instagram. You can hang out with me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash thatconradzimmerman. Uh, you could hang out with my cat, Potato Juan, on Instagram, too. He's one-eyed potato. You can buy anti-capitalist propaganda that I make at pinfultruth.com or audiobooks at conradreads.com. And everything I do online gets supported through Patreon at patreon.com slash fistshark. And also, James Stephanie Sterling has a Patreon. That supports oh, yeah. the Jim Physician. It supports this show. It supports all sorts of other endeavors. Uh, you can go check that out at patreon.com slash jimquisition. And one more time, September 24th in Sheffield, Spectrum Wrestling presents Rejoice. Tickets are available now at buytickets.at slash Spectrum Wrestling. Go get your tickets. Go to Sheffield. See the commander. The card looks awesome. If you're going to be at home on that date, <gasps> set it aside anyway, because it is going to be streaming at twitch.tv slash Jim Sterling. Yeah. And Laura's got a pre-show. I'm, I'm going to be on that stream I'm going to tell you about all of the wrestle things. Uh, I'm going to let you know all of it. Yeah. Come learn about wrestling. So, set the date, get your tickets, go to Sheffield. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.